Hey everyone, if we've never met, my name is Phil and I get the honor of being the pastor of this group of people who call themselves Clarity Church. Today our intent is to continue in the series we began a few weeks ago entitled The Heart Matters. So if you would, I want to invite you to open up whatever copy of the scriptures is most convenient to you, whether it's an app on your phone, whether it's an app on your phone or it's a paper Bible. Go ahead and open up to James chapter 1 where we're going to be spending our time today. While you're turning there, and before we like jump in, I wanted to communicate a few things uh, for those of you who may be joining us today. First, today we are gathering online, not because this is our new strategy for worshiping and engaging in God's word together so that we could be encouraged and empowered to live life together as family on mission together with God. This is not a new strategy for doing that. By God's grace careful planning, and a little hard work, what we intend to do is to continue to create environments, opportunities for us as a local church to gather in person with each other and and allow those who are looking uh, to engage their journey of faith with others, uh, with, with, with people. And so we're, we're, our intent is to continue to offer those type of gatherings. And, and at the end of our online gathering here, what I'll, I'll be doing is I'll be giving a little bit more detail about our plans for the future. So uh, stay tuned to the end of this, uh, this gathering and we'll, you'll get that information. Second, after today's message, I'll have the honor of leading those who want to participate in a time of communion. So if you haven't done already, go ahead and, and find something that you would eat and find something that you would drink and Get that ready, and at the end, after the message, and we'll have a little time worship, we'll, we'll come back together, and we're going to spend some time in communion. And after communion, as I said before, we'll address some of those questions that I know many of you are asking regarding what it means for us to continue to gather, to live life as family, together in mission with God. And so um, we'll do that, and then at the end of that, I'll pray, and you can feel free to hang out online here and chat. And so whether today is your first time with us who are Clarity or you're someone who has been part of the Clarity Church family for a really, really long time, I, I always want to do this. Uh, thank you for choosing to spend a part of your weekend with us. Now, for those of you who've never been part of our gatherings, uh, here is what you can expect today. One, uh, in just a moment, I'm going to pray and then I'll read our text for the day. Then I'll take some time to explain the text and along the way, share some thoughts to those of you who have allowed me to be a pastor in your life and uh, share some thoughts that I think would apply specifically to you and specifically apply to us as a church as we seek to live life as family on mission together with God to make disciples that make disciples. So uh, let's, let's jump right in and, and, and let's just pray. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father in heaven, thank you so much that you are sovereign and that we are not. And in these next few moments, I, I would ask, would you just prepare our hearts to receive what it is you want to speak to each of us individually so that every decision and every intention of our heart honors you and brings glory to you? Would you also speak to us corporately as a, as a fellowship? Would you continue to guide us and lead us as this movement of Christ followers through whom you've chosen to, to display your love and your grace, as well as... Um, be the primary agents of your message of hope to the world. 
Would you teach us what it means to look at our, our sin solemnly? Teach us what it means to lean into repentance and lean into humility. Teach us to have a right understanding of who you are and what you've done and what you've promised to do and how that informs us who call you Lord and Savior to view our lives, our identity, our purpose, and our calling. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, our text today comes from James chapter 1, starting at verse 13, and this is what it says. No one undergoing a trial should say, I'm being tempted by God, since God is not tempted by evil, and he himself doesn't tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when he is drawn away and enticed by his own evil desire. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is fully grown, it gives birth to death. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. By his own choice, he gave us birth by the word of truth, so that we, be, so that we would be a kind of firstfruits of his creatures. Now, if we wanted to, we could really geek out on all the theological implications of these verses. And, and listen, in isolation, apart from the rest of this letter uh, that really this author has written, it's a letter, by the way, uh, there could be much we could do to entertain like the scholar inside of each and every one of us. And so if you're looking for something like that, if that sounds exciting for you, hate to disappoint you. But uh, we're not going to do that. Uh, if that's what you want to do, I encourage you to pick up either one of the commentaries on James by uh, Scott McKnight, the TNIC, or, or by Douglas Moo. Those are really good, solid commentaries on James, and they will tickle any scholarly fancy you have. Uh, and so just pick one of those up. But what we want to do today, what I, what I hope to do today is, uh, especially in light of our current realities, I want us to consider the implications of what we just read within the context that James was writing this letter, uh, James, the brother of Jesus. And, and, and I want to look at what he was intending to communicate to his audience. And after kind of understanding that, looking uh, at maybe some ways that you and I could like if, if, if James was literally with us, could communicate to us in our situation that would, in a way that really would influence our perspectives and, and maybe consequently guide the intentions of our hearts and the actions of our everyday lives. So uh, a little backstory. Uh, James was trying to confront the, what really, really James was trying to confront here is the excuse that, had, that, that really some people had for living a life that looked more like works of the flesh and, and less like works of faith. In other words, there were all these people that were making excuses for their actions and they were blaming circumstances on really uh, on God for why they were making the kind of unwise decisions that were, they were making. And listen, uh, let's just be honest. We do this all the time too. I, I don't know about you, but I know I do. I mean, we say things like, you know, if only God would make my husband, would make my wife less frustrating than you know, then, then I would be more patient. If, if only God would make my coworkers more open to faith, that, 
then, you know, then I would share my faith with them. Then, then I would be more comfortable to, to share the gospel with them. If, if only God would make my church more spiritual, more worshipful, more biblical, more evangelistic, more discipleship-centered, you know, if only God would do that, you know, then, then, then I might get more involved in taking some responsibility as a part of my church. If only God, if only God, if only. But he hasn't. And so I won't. I don't know what kind of report that was going out to James that he had to write this letter. But based on what James was hearing, we know that he felt the need to make it very, very, very clear that God is not the reason. He is not the one to be blamed for why you're living a life that is incongruent with the standards. God is not the reason that they were having to make the kinds of decisions they were making. In fact, uh, one Bible scholar's commentary of this passage, he writes this, he says this, God may test his servants for their own good, but he must never be associated with the enticement to evil that is a product of people's own sinfulness. Never can we excuse sin by trying to shift the blame on to God. In the struggle with temptation, God is on our side. He does not want us to fail, and he has provided every possible gift of grace to enable us to stand. Resisting temptation, James suggests, begins with an honest look at ourselves, where desire lurks and gives birth to sin. In other words, James is letting his readers know that the reason they're living the life that they're living, making the decisions that they're living, is because that there is something deep down inside of them. And if they allow it to, it can lead them away from living in wisdom and living in, in God's ways and instead embrace foolishness to live according to their own wisdom and their own will and their own way. And, and, and the people that James was writing to, listen, they wanted to blame God. They wanted to blame their circumstances for the reason why they were living the way they were living. But at the end of the day, it wasn't God. It wasn't their circumstances that was to blame. It was themselves. In a book entitled Thriving in Babylon, Why Hope, Humility, and Wisdom Matter in a Godless Culture, pastor and author Larry Osborne writes this. He says, the only way for the genuineness of our faith to be affirmed, its weaknesses to be revealed, or its bankruptcy to be exposed is for it to be put through the tests of hardship and suffering. God uses hardships and trials to reveal the genuineness or the fraudulent nature of our faith. Those who walk away from God in anger and disillusionment in the midst of their suffering never do so because their test was too hard. They do so because their faith was not genuine. You know, we're in the middle of this series uh, called The Heart Matters, and it's, uh, we, we call it a Lent series. And, and while this is not an exact representation of the season of Lent as maybe more liturgical churches would observe it, in the same spirit, we wanted to take a journey together in preparation of Holy Week that forces us to take an inventory in our own lives, to take a solemn look at our sin and our need for repentance, to take a solemn look at the price 
that was paid for our redemption through the death and resurrection of Jesus. And so in, in week one of this series, we learned to say this. We learned to say this. Lord, humble me. I am nothing compared to you. You are great. I am not. That's what we talked about. And then in week two, we learned to say, Lord, forgive me. I repent. I, I'm a sinner and I'm in desperate need of you. Last week, we, we looked at that story where, where Jesus talked about the one who was credited righteousness. And it wasn't the Pharisee who said, look at me, I'm so good. It, what did he say? He said, it was the one who, who beat his chest for whom everyone knew was a sinner. And he admitted it in front of God and said, God, forgive me. I'm a sinner. So that's what we learned last week. And this week, I'm hoping that James would teach us to say this. This is what I would hope. Lord, it's my fault. It's my fault. It's not yours. There's something inside of me, not outside of me, that leads me to live life my will, uh, live life for my will, live it life my way instead of for your will and your way. And I'm hoping that we would come to grips uh, um, with, with, with the reality that the cause for much of the conflict and strife we face in the world is not, uh, uh, is, 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 um, is not because we experience God tempting us or uh, the reason why we, we have difficulty in accomplishing his mission in our life is because of God or because of outside circumstances. What I'm hoping is that we would wrestle with the fact that there's something inside of each of us, something inside of every one of us that tempts us. And if we let it would lead us toward decreasingly submitting all of life to Jesus as master and savior. And I'm hoping that we would become desperate for God to change our hearts and renew our minds and continually make and mold us into the likeness of his son, Jesus. That instead of decreasingly submitting all of life to Jesus as master and savior, that instead we would increasingly, increasingly learn to submit all of life to Jesus as master, as savior, to the point that we can confidently say, Jesus is Lord of all, especially, especially me. Now, as followers of Jesus, we want to proclaim Jesus as Lord, and we want to declare that Jesus has claimed the victory over sin and death, and he has the power to save, and at the end, Jesus wins. That's what we want, right? As followers of Christ. But listen, let me ask you the question. Let me ask you this question. Who wins then? When in the face of trials, and as a result of those trials and temptations, who wins when you, when I, when we Doubt the sovereignty of God. Who wins? In the face of persecution, hardship, and trials, when you find yourself more anxious, more fearful, more afraid, listen, this is not a sign that God has abandoned you or that he's not in control. This is a sign that there is something inside of you, that there is something inside of me, of all of us, as well as someone who is against us that would want us to believe that God is not sovereign. And so, so that we would be led to believe that, therefore, we must take control of things. If God's not sovereign, well, then 
We've got to control things. There's something inside of us. There's someone outside of us, the evil one who would want us to believe that God is not our shield and he's not our protector. And so consequently, well, then we got to protect ourselves. We got to provide for ourselves because God can't do that. He's not going to. So we got to protect ourselves. We're the only ones that could do it. There's something inside of us that, that we want to believe, be tempted to believe that God is not our healer, that, that, that we must continually look to consume our lives with every worry and, and preoccupation and, and, and really, and, you know, of just really being overwhelmed with, with this idea of like, we got to protect our lives at the expense of actually living life for God and for his purposes when we believe that God is not our healer, we could, we could believe that our life needs to be consumed with protecting our life from the things that we would eventually need healing from. To be clear, our current reality with this coronavirus now expanding all over the world and even into our backyards, if we let it, this can be a test of our faith. Or, or it can be the environment that our faith in Jesus becomes most distinct and most alive. In this current reality, we who are followers of Jesus can, can jump into the current of culture. We could be swept into the movement that wants us, you know, to, to, to really to believe in, in some of the lies that, and, the, and the hype of everything that's going on. And, and listen, we, we can choose to do that or, or we can choose to have a hope in God. To, to have a deep-seated confidence in God's sovereignty and character and to allow this confidence in the good news of the gospel to be the, the lens through which we evaluate our circumstances, make decisions, and determine our actions, and if need be, stake our life on it. Our current reality has aspects to it, and let's be honest, that it can be scary. But listen, we don't have to live in fear. We do not have to live in fear. Instead, I, I want to encourage you that we should see this as an opportunity for us to be light. And, and to prove by the way we live and by the way we gather and by the way we love that we actually do believe in a God who is a giver of good gifts who is sovereign over all, that we actually do believe that we, uh, we have a God who heals and protects and, and, and not only delivers us from our sicknesses, but ultimately is a healer of our hearts and our souls. But if we're to live this way, we first must learn to say, Lord, it's my fault. It's my fault, Lord. It's not yours. There's something inside of me, not outside of me, that leads me to live life my way for my will instead of your way for your will. And then so, in the next few moments, what we're going to do is, hopefully together, uh, we're going to play a song that's familiar to many of you who call Clarity Home. And what I would hope 
is that together it would be our prayer that individually this song would be maybe your prayer or at a minimum, while this song plays, it would be an invitation for you, for me, for us to confess to God, we need him and our desire that he would change us and make us more like his son, Jesus, from the inside out. After we do that together, we'll take communion. And then I'll close with some information about what it means for us to gather as a church for worship in the coming week. So I really do hope you'll stick around to the end. So would you, would you pray with me as, as we kind of close this part of our, of our gathering? Heavenly Father in heaven, would you forgive me for when I fail to recognize and admit that the reason my life is not all that I know that you want it to be? It's because of me. It's my fault. It's not yours. It's not my circumstances. It's not the people around me. It's not my job. It's not my family. It's not my church that's keeping me from living life your way and accomplishing your mission. It's just me. It's just me. It's my fault. So would you forgive me? I repent. And I invite you and ask that you would continue to transform me and make me more like your son, Jesus. And would you empower me by your Holy Spirit? Would you give me boldness and a confidence to be a bearer of hope in the everyday rhythms of my life, everywhere I go, with everyone I meet, so that more and more people would see with clarity who Jesus is and declare, Jesus, as Lord, would you do this, Lord? And we'll be careful to give you all the praise and glory for all that you accomplish in and through us. Your precious son, Jesus' name I pray. Amen.